Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Would you believe who it is? It's Pascal Donoghue, the Minister for Finance. Say hello. How are you, Pascal? Yes, hello, Roddy. And I'm really enjoying the conversation on the podcast with Mario. And I heard your, your story about the boxing gym. And I'm very interested in this, Roddy. Is there any way that you could organise a little bout between myself and let's say Piers Doherty and Sinn Féin? So I'll call Piers Doherty something now, right? Oh, see the way I'm getting my north side accent out there? You bleeding toad-eyed Piers! Now you go off and you tell Piers that. Well, well, Pascal, Piers, I don't know. I don't know. It could be a bit of a mismatch. I'll knock the fucking box off him. This is what I'm saying. It could be a mismatch on your behalf. Absolutely. That's they they don't call me the Ballymun Strangler for nothing. Now, that is a contest between two political heavyweights that I would love to see. So how do I describe my special guest on this episode? Well, he's a footballer, football manager, boxer, brother of a boxing world champion, practical joker, social commentator, author. The list just goes on. Roddy Collins is a man with a fascinating life. Not only does he have great stories to tell, he's brilliant at telling them too. It was like as if I was down in my local having a chat with this guy. We talk about life in football's lower divisions, settling local disputes in the ring, practical jokes that went too far, and lots more besides. And when the game was over, the defender stripped off, and he was like a man chiselled out of marble. And he said to me, you want to swap chairs? You know, you had a milk white body with no definition. <laughs> right? I said, I'll give you mine up the tunnel. I'm not taking me short down for the 30,000 people. I've had Rolex watches. I've had S-Class Mercs. I've had 2,000 pound suits. I've dined in the best restaurants. And eaten rolls on walls with a little cup of coffee that only cost a euro. And I enjoyed my meals in the Trocadora <laughs> as much as I enjoyed my roll on the wall. I was in a pub, right, polished up in a lovely suit, walked up to the counter. This fellow was good for you on him, big fella. Looked down his nose at me, went, oh, he comes? I says, yeah. He says, yeah, you look great. I says, I know I do. He says, you're always a big-headed fucker. Straight away, <laughs> straight away. That's said, Ireland, that's Dublin. And I was only having the crack one. He gave it to you and then he took it away. I get another job, I'm going to change football. I've, I've an idea. Do you? Oh, I have a great yeah. idea. And it'll work. What's the idea? I'll tell you. I know what it is. Well, tell me. You do not want to miss this one, folks. My full chat with Roddy Collins coming up in just a few minutes. But first, what's going on in the United Kingdom? They are replacing prime ministers every five weeks. Boris Johnson to Liz Truss and now to Rishi Sunak. It's like as if they're coming off a conveyor belt. Conservatives, are you tired of your prime ministers constantly breaking down or malfunctioning? Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me say to you, my friends, there was no party. There was no party. Darling, Boris, Boris is broken again. He's gone. Finding you're having to replace them every four or five weeks. We have made mistakes. We have made mistakes. We have made mistakes. I fixed mistakes. Liz is gone. Liz is gone. Well, now your problems are solved. Introducing the revolutionary new Rishi 2022 Prime Ministerial Model. Hello, everyone. The Rishi 2022 is a revolution in robot Prime Minister design. So we need to unite or die. The Rishi 2022 is new because it's almost 100% lifelike. I'm here to fix the problem. Small, sleek and portable. Your Rishi comes with a variety of modes, including pay bills mode. 
Rishi, how will I be able to pay my new energy bill? Derek, there may be some difficult decisions ahead. Fairy tale Rishi mode to help you get off to sleep. I see a Britain, happy and glorious, where everybody will be friends and no one will go without. Oh. The end. Thanks, Rishi. Good night. Power down. The new Rishi 2022 includes a brand new empathy mode. Rishi, I can't afford the mortgage. Well, maybe, Derek, you need to work harder. But Rishi, I'm working three jobs as it is, mate. Engaging empathy mode. Yes, I understand your pain, Derek. I'm here for you. Rishi will solve those difficult-to-get-rid-of problems, like the Northern Ireland Protocol. I care about Ireland. After all, Rishi is an anagram for Irish. And now, the brand new robot Rishi comes with a sense of humour. I'm here for all classes. The upper classes, the middle classes, and the working classes. Okay, maybe not the working classes. Humour mode. Ha ha ha, only joking. He's hilarious. Get your Rishi 2022 robot prime minister now. And if you're not happy, we'll replace it for you within the usual 45 days. Your money will not be returned. Always read the label. A new model will be provided for you, but you will not get to choose a new model. <laughs> and remember, exclusive comedy um, like this only on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. It's exclusive for you. It goes out nowhere else. Thanks for all the emails you've been sending me. I've been getting loads of emails recently. This one just uh, from Keith uh, came in last week. Just finished listening to the latest podcast featuring Gary O'Hanlon, Mario. Great guest and a really interesting show. Loved every minute of it, especially the Roy Keane skit. And yeah, he did receive a rather abusive um, phone call to uh, uh, from Roy Keane and he says he's sending the link on to friends thanks Keith you're very welcome thanks for your mail and thank you very much for sending the link to your friends that really helps us spread the word and grow the show if you can just tell one person about the podcast that's all I want it means a lot so let's get to my special guest on this episode Roddy Collins we had so much to talk about but I wanted to start with a topic that has really got my attention right now I saw a documentary on primetime last week and um, it really got me going on it and it's the state of our main thoroughfare of our capital city O'Connell Street. Um, it's our Champs-Élysées. It's one of the biggest thoroughfares in Europe. And the feeling of danger on the streets is pretty much palpable now, all around Dublin, and especially on O'Connell Street. And Roddy had a very interesting perspective on this. Here we go. Roddy, I wanted to start with something really strange. Not strange, but just peculiar. I'm not going to talk to you about football for a minute. Yeah. Um, and I will talk to you about football later. And yeah. I'll talk to you about all the stuff. But one of the things, and it'll, it'll emerge why I'm interested in this. One of the things I read about you was that during COVID, you were walking the streets of Dublin for two days a week, meeting people and talking to people on the streets of Dublin. And still, now, you walk the streets of Dublin for one day a week. Always. Tell me what's that about? Why do you do it? And wh- what's going on? Well, I'll tell you what, Mario. But before COVID... I walk the streets of Dublin, right? But I'll tell you how it was more noticeable during COVID. I walk. I love walking, mm. right? And I, I, I do a lot of it. So we would call our walk from Castlenock into town a stroll, really. Our real walk would be out to Holt. But we go, I go in, and when it was uh, densely populated, you'd see homeless people, but you wouldn't notice them that well. And I'd always be a little bag of change and he lose change as we throw into a little t- it's a coffee tin bring it in my pocket how are you my old pal are you all right bit of change but you didn't engage in conversation were you you just give them change and they say thanks very much so I decided I'll buy 40 smokes and then lockdown came and then you, all you could see was poor homeless people it was horrendous so it gave you a free runner how are you there's a smoke 
currency. Every single person they offer smoked when they did it, they didn't. There's a cigarette. There's one for your ear. Where were you last night? Where are you going tonight? How are you keeping? Are you all right? Blah, blah, blah. And you give maybe three or four minutes conversation. And I have to say, I felt better walking away from these people than possibly, I don't know how they felt, me having a chat with them and my wife and I brought my grandson one day. And it was brilliant. It was it was a great it was a great feeling for me because the gratitude was unreal. You're giving them two lousy cigarettes. Thanks. Some of them would recognise you or think I was my brother Stephen. How are you? How's the football? How's the boxing? But it was very rewarding. Yeah, done that. Yeah. The reason I ask you was because I was watching, um, I, I don't know if you saw it, but I was watching a primetime special the other night, right? And it was on the, the how O'Connell Street has completely declined, right? Um, and how, like, people don't, you know, a lot of people don't even go into O'Connell Street anymore and they took their hidden cameras into O'Connell Street and it was basically an open drugstore. There were, it, was, it, was, it was daylight, people dealing drugs in the day. Kind of, there was some police clearly turning a blind eye to what was going on and there was fights going on, lads knocking the box off each other. And I just, and then when I heard that you are such a Dubliner and well familiar with the streets, if if if, if you had opinions on it's that. It's horrendous. Mm. And it's true. And everything that was on the television was true. And I've, I've witnessed it firsthand. I've seen people ejecting themselves in the doorway at, at, at um, the GPO. Mm. The GPO. Mm-hmm. You know, people queuing up for a bit of grub outside the GPO and close, which is good. But the, the, I've seen fellas batting the head off each other for maybe 10 minutes. No intervention, no guardie, right? And to think, and I, I, I travel a lot, that's our main tour affair in the city of Dublin. It's unbelievably horrendous. Yeah. And it's very sad, and it's very depressing, and it's all true. But this is one of the main thoroughfares, like in Europe. This 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 street compares with the Champs Elysees, as you said. You've got the GPO, you know, the 1916 proclamation, and all this. You've got this legendary Gresham Hotel, Cleary's, the Gate Theatre up at the end of this street. This, you know, the Spire. Uh, then the the, the 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 avenue down towards the south side of Dublin, and it's completely neglected. And I feel so. I feel like we're missing something here. Well, I I don't know if it's an north side, south side team, but I I obviously walk the whole of Dublin. You cross over O'Connell Bridge, you'll get to the corner of um, South Frederick Street and there's a big um, population of uh, addicted people there. But the further you walk up, it dilutes. And then once you hit the Bank of Ireland and cross over Dame Street, it's a different planet. It's a totally different Dublin. Yeah, it is. It's a totally different Dublin. And I was trying to imagine, would they allow the same thing to happen to Grafton Street? Never. Not in a million years. And even, even when the lockdown was there and there was, I, I, I counted, there was 18 tents in doorways and on the side of the road in Dublin, North City, mm. inner city. Mm. 18 tents. Mm. Right? There was one, I think I've seen one up in off Grant Street. That didn't last too long. Mm. Right? So, it possibly is an north side south. I'm an north sider. Mm. Very proud of it. Mm. But very ashamed of O'Connell Street because... Like I, 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 I have to say, people that come to visit me, I say, look, if you're going into town, cross the Liffey. Mm. And that breaks my heart because I'm a, I'm a, my, 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 my father, my wife's family are in a city, Garden Street. People lived mm. in, her, her, her father, Billy, lived in a tenement in Garden Street. Uh, her mother was from Portland Road, a couple of doors with Kelly Harrington, the famous Kelly. Mm. And I'm a cameraman. But it's, it's, it, it, it is sad. And you'd love to see a change, you know, because... 
it's Hermione Tortifer. And as long as you've been walking around on the streets of Dublin, have you noticed changes yourself in the last few years? Let me give you an example. So I was, I was, I said this before on this podcast. I was finishing a show actually in the Olympia Theatre, right, and uh, on Dame Street, and I finished. I uh, went for one drink, and then uh, ten thirty, let ten forty-five, eleven o'clock, I went out onto the just the front of the Olympia Theatre to get a taxi, and it was like a th- it was a Saturday night in Dublin, and it was eleven o'clock, and the place was packed, but. For some reason, I felt for the first time in my life in Dublin threatened. Yeah. I didn't feel easy at all. And there was guys whizzing by me on bikes, kind of with no handlebars, no hands on the handlebars. There was guys kind of elbowing me, bumping by, just walking by you. There was kind of a sense that, like, it was just anything could happen. And that's the first time I really experienced yeah, that. No, it's there. Mario, it's there. There's an agitation out there, right? And there's an attitude. And there is that aggressiveness. I've seen I've seen it last night. I was in the GPO. I walked from the GPO down to the, the fruit market. And three kids come up Henry Street. I don't know what the speed limit or, or what, what these scooters can do, but they were full pelt. Mm. And be, lucky not to knock someone down. Mm. I've been I've been approached aggressively. I, 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 I would leave town. If I go for a point in town, I'd be gone by 8 o'clock. Mm. 100% Mario yeah. I'll be gone over because if you go in early and this is Roddy Collins I mean you're a man about town you are you are you're, 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 a, you're a bloke you're a exactly yeah. you're a football man well I'm from a boxing family as well and mm-hmm. you would know people through boxing and football and there was a time when you could walk up Henry Street take you an hour because how are you Rod how's your brother how are you blah 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 no you don't know anyone right and there is there is an agitation but I'll tell you what the worst time ever to go into town I'll say to everyone Monday Right, one o'clock in the day till about five or six, because the poor addicted people, they seem to be very agitated. They seem to be coming off a weekend. There's, there seems to be no supply of what they're waiting on, and there's a horrendous. And if you go in around town at that time, you'll see fight after fight after fight. Mm. It's horrendous, mm. and it's 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 sad. Mm-hmm. You were you were saying there about boxing. You come from a boxing family. Yeah. Um, people associate you with football, um, but also your, your your brother Steve, of course, was yeah. world champion at middleweight, and um, and and of course you set up a boxing gym yourself. I did. And one of the things you think you talk about fights there a minute ago. Yeah. You had an interesting way of settling disputes within within. Well, it made money. <laughs> <laughs> I was a promoter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I had a gym. I I I, I was out of work, as you you know, when you read the book. I was very, very down on myself. Carlos had sorted something out. The two, two, two loves of my life are football and boxing second, first and second. So I decided to open a, a boxing gym. Not as an amateur gym, just as a, 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 a... It was a warehouse, let's be honest. Rough and ready. And I said, hold on a minute. I heard about a fella had a bit of beef for another fella. A simple, harmless thing. He was chatting his missus up in a pub. I knocked to his door. I said, bit of beef for you, man, yeah. I said, you want to sort it out? He says, oh, what? I said, in a boxing ring, Queensbury rules, <laughs> right? You sell 20 tickets. I'm up for it. I knocked the other fella's door. I said, he asked me to meet him. And he told me, he said, he's going to do you. And he goes, is that right? I'll have 40 tickets. And it just snowballed. So the first one was called the Good Friday Disagreement. Because I held her on a Good Friday. There was no pubs open. And I, my deal was, you buy a ticket. You bring your own refreshments, as we may call it. And they all come down early. They all had their corner. They piled up their whatever beers or whatever they wanted. And it was brilliant. I must have locked 200 people outside. So then I realised. <laughs> so then I decided to put a balcony in. Yeah. So I was in the building. Put a balcony in, 200 more people to fit them in. And when that show was on, that was called 
I'll come back to that one. The, the, it was called the, the, the Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm. And the balcony was bouncing up and down. It wasn't secure. <laughs> and a fella came in, an engineer I know, Anto Dunn, stuck a few steel girders in it. So it became an annual event. Yeah. And it was brilliant. It was sold out for hours. Yeah. I mean, uh, people would say, did you hear the bell? I won't name one. Cheer about Joe Sob up the road. What? He, he, he was in the pub <laughs> and they had a bit of a word, right, I'll be straight at the door. Let's have you. And it was brilliant. But it was all, it was sorted out. It was good. And, you know, probably ended a lot of disputes that could have escalated. Fantastic. Actually, to that, to that end, there's another phone call coming in. Um, would you believe who it is? It's Pascal Donoghue, the Minister for Finance. Say hello. How are you, Pascal? Yes, hello, Roddy. And I'm really enjoying the conversation on the podcast with Mario. And I heard your your story about the boxing gym and starting rumours around other people. I'm very interested in this, Roddy. Is there any way that you could organise a little bout between myself and, let's say, Pierce Doherty and Sinn Féin? So I'll call Pierce Doherty something now, right? See the way I'm getting my north side accent out there? You bleeding toad-ag, Pierce! Now you go off. And you tell Pierce that. Well, well, first of all, I'd go to I'd go to you, Pascal. I hope you keep him well. I'm keeping very well. Pascal, and by I, the way, thank you for your tax returns. Um, I saw them there, and you've done very well on the expenses. You've had a great year, and well done, and they're pristine. Top man. And thanks for the, the phone call to allow me to fill out the forms. You're a gent. I, 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 Pascal, I'm not certain, but I'm 99% certain your father put all my marquees up because of the party until I had a few quid every time I got a tax rebate Pascal I stuck up a marquee You're very welcome yeah <laughs> so I, I'm nearly certain if I did. but look Pascal first of all Pierce I don't know I don't know it could be a bit of a mismatch because I know Pascal that year I knocked the fucking box off him this is what I'm saying it could be a mismatch on your behalf absolutely That's that, they saying. don't call me the Ballymun strangler for nothing is that what it is? The yeah, Bally absolutely. That's a great entrance into Brilliant. the ring. What music are you going to pick? Um, I'll probably pick Eminem. If you had one chance, one opportunity, would you knock the bollocks off him? Absolutely. Well, I'll have to go to Pierce because this, this could take a bit of time. Pierce might need a little bit more training. Brilliant. And, and a lot of travelling coming down for Pierce. So we might have to get him sorted out. I don't know where he's resided. Maybe I can get him into a good gym, the Oakleaf gym in Derry. He's a good boxing gym. Excellent. And I'll get him good coaching there. But I'll tell you one thing. I think we're going to have to go for Crow Park with this one. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Pierce and Pascal and Crow Park. Um, your, your book is called The Rodfather. And I mean, obviously, it's a great, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good name. Did you come up with the name? No, Paul Howard. No, who? My daughter Sinead, and there's a, a dispute in the house at the minute that Neve, who tells me I have to introduce her as my gl- most glamorous daughter, reckons she done it. I threw it out to the kids. I said, "What do you want your old dad to be called?" And they come back, the Rod Father. <laughs> so that that that's it stuck. I'm gonna introduce it to Penguin. Straight away they went for it. And it's not the story of your life, but it's stories from your life. Oh, Jesus, Mario. I yeah. couldn't give you all the stories of my life. No, no. I've, I've you know? I've, I've, even reading about them, I just got... I, I, uh, but Mario, as I said, it started off as a big, rough owl. I wouldn't call it a diamond lump of coal. <laughs> and Paul polished all the edges, went around a few sharp bends, yeah. kept me out of trouble and presented me as the wrong father that's, you know, yeah. that could be... Red. How is, I mean, obviously growing up in football, right, as a manager and a player, of course, as well. And I suppose, to use Eamon Juntry's expression, I suppose, a journeyman footballer. Yeah. Um, I think Eamon is listening to the podcast as well, by the way, so he might be talking to you later. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what is, what was the 
what would the, what would be the what would be the differences now between a footballer now and a footballer that and back then? The differences in lifestyles. Well, I'll tell you the difference in lifestyles. A footballer back then, a footballer now plays a game of football, comes in off the pitch, stretches, right? He has his proteins, he has his rehydration, his um, uh, electrolytes, and he goes in and has a nice bath, and then he polishes his face before he goes on the telly and then he gets a script of a PR representative what to say when he goes on the telly and then he goes home and has a rest and starts all over again the next day. Back in my day you played a game of football you get in there to shower as quick as you could right? with a bar of soap, no shampoo, no gel you rehydrate with 12 points of stout as quick as possible right? your rest was on the floor of some nightclub in town whether it be rumours early Rainheads or if you had the few Bob Lilly's Bardello and the next day he didn't remember the score of the day the, day, the, the, the game the day before he <laughs> didn't remember your own name you got interviewed and you ended up in the solicitor's office two days later for libel and <laughs> that was the way it was and basically that's why there were so many journeymen because you crossed the line so many times you got the boot out of that many clubs that's how it happened and I think it was better because we had characters we had people who you could re- relate to, but now they're like robots. Mm. Yeah. And very well paid robots, by the way. Mm. I, I played for Stella Myers when I was a kid. Mm. And my first manager That's was Jimmy t- Brennigan. I think um, Dunphy and Giles played for Stella they Myers, did. didn't they? Yeah. They did. And my first manager worked in Manhattan. Not, not Manhattan, Smith's Crisps. And he used to bring peanuts to all the kids and give us a bag of peanuts after the game. I started playing with peanuts when I was 14. I ended up playing with peanuts when I was 38. Nothing changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and come here, when, you, it was in the 80s you were playing, isn't it? I started in, I, started, I made my debut in 1978. Yeah, yeah. Up in Donegal. Yeah. And they have threatened to build a load of new stadiums up there. And thankfully, I think they're going to get one at the moment. Mm. I was up there last year. The broken tiles on the wall and the dressing room were still there from when I was 18. Jesus. And um, what's the kind of the, the highest level you played at, Roddy? The highest level I played at was League Two in England. League Two in League England. One. League One. League One, which Le- would be League the one. third so, division now. The, no, the third division back then, it's League One now. Exactly. And that's the highest I played at. But I, not an excuse, Mario. It's part, it, it's, what would you say? <laughs> Part of the course, injuries. I was unfortunate. Yeah. But I was, I was stupid. I was too brave for me on go. Just put my head in where people would put their boot in. I broke my leg four times. I was concussed. I broke my elbow. Bro- ah, look, and they're not excuses. Mm. Occupational hazard. And I was employed to be a big enforcer. That was what I was. I remember making my debut in England. Kind of like a Vinnie Jones figure. Well, yeah. Yeah, in a, in a different position. Yeah. But Graham Souness. A little bit more finesse there with him. Yeah. <laughs> than what I had. And I remember playing against him once and I spent half the game looking at the size of his legs. They were enormous. I never seen a, a man with bigger legs. And uh, Who's the best yeah. player you ever came up against actually on a pitch? The, well I didn't play at a very high level, yeah. but I played in European mm. football and I would say there was a fella, a Dutch international called Tom Hatte. Yeah. And he was brilliant. Mm. But we had we had an enforcer called Thomas Conway and Cabra, who Stamped his authority early doors <laughs> on Tomahatta, yeah. who exe- exited the ground very quick on a stretcher. Yeah. So that was a, a, a cameo role for Tomahatta. But you know, in Europe, in Europe, <laughs> you Christ. play against. I mean, when you play in Europe at our level, we play trying to get the ball back. Mm. They play keep the ball, mm. and it's horrendous. And I remember playing a game in Belgium, and we were getting beaten eight one. 
and we were tipping off and my partner in crime, Michael O'Connor, said, thanks be to God, Rod, there's 81 minutes gone. I said, no, that's the scoreboard you're gobshite. I said, there's, there's, <laughs> I said, there's another 12 or 15 minutes to go. And in, and in that game, and I come out with building site. I'm a plaster, Mario. Yeah. And I come out with building site rings end to go on a flight to go to bed and play in front of 30,000 people. We were annihilated, battered. And when the game was over, the defender stripped off and he was like a man chiseled out of marble. And he said to me, you want to swap chairs? You know, you had a milk white body with no definition. <laughs> right? I said, I'll give you mine up the tunnel. I'm not taking me short down for the 30,000 people. And I did. And in the dressing matters, I was sitting there and Torlock was furious with everyone. And rightly so. And he went, you and you and you. And he came to me and says, I'd get that fucking jersey. And I went, I swapped it. Well, swap it back. We have, we've now gave her something. <laughs> so that was the difference yeah. in what we were doing and what they were doing. Yeah. But you know what? It's all in the book. And if I didn't live mm. that life, Mario, you couldn't read it and you couldn't laugh about it. But it was... it was. So, so is, is some of the book a kind of a reflection of what you just said there that it's kind yeah. of a comparison almost about how things were thrown together back then. It was yeah. a bit ramshackle. It was a bit you know, by the seat of your pants and in comparison to the way the Europeans doing it, they were so polished and finessed. They were a long way ahead of us back then. Still are. Are they? Miles ahead of us. Yeah. The only club at the moment that I would say has come up to the market, Shamrock Rovers. Mm. They, for me, in the last four or five years are progressing to a standard that is beyond what we ever had in this country. Mm. And What know, about the what about our league, uh, Roddy? It's, it's peculiar, isn't it? I mean... Uh, we are Ireland, we are a republic, we fought for our independence, we have our own football teams, and all of us follow English football teams. Yeah. It is peculiar, isn't it? Yeah. What is the status of the, of the league in Ireland, well, do you think? Is it growing? Is it diminishing? Is it the same as it ever was? Well, Mario, you just, your introduction to the whole thing, right? We're a GAA state. It's the strongest uh, sport. Not the most played soccer is, but for finance, for stadia. You know, for coverage, for mm. media coverage, it's miles ahead. And to try and take on City Hall, as they call it, from a, from a, a soccer point of view, it's never going to happen. We have to accept what we can achieve as an Indigenous league. We're never going to produce for our international team, right, in, in our own league. So, as, as in every year, people leave, they go, and they develop at a higher level in England. So, if you're a lad watching your international team, you're not watching Shamrock Rovers players, you're watching, you know, players in England. So you'll have a, a tendency to go there. But also, back in the day, I mean, Liverpool, Celtic for me, Man United and all, they're all brand names that are there, Mario. Like, you'll, you'll find the odd person that might follow Wolves or Spurs or whatever, and probably people shout down the phone, oh, you follow them. But the, the, the big ones are there. And it's, it's attractive. It's an event. It's glamorous. I mean, you go to a, a stadium in England, if you trip over on the boat or the plane, you a few beers, you're a bit of crack. It's an event. You go to a League of Ireland ground, most of you won't find a ladies' toilet, right? Mm. You'll get a cup of barvel if you're lucky. Mm. You can't have a beer when you're watching a game. There's no hospitality in any of the grounds. Mm. So it's not an event here. And getting back to the, to the, to the supporting of players, we all, look... We go to Crow Park to see the best players in, in Ireland. Yeah. Mostly the dubs, I might add. <laughs> we go to Lansdowne Road or over to um, the RDS to watch the best rugby players that we have. They're all playing in, in indigenous leagues or in, in, for the province. We go to 
a league of world and ground we watch players who have had a career in England coming back we watch young kids ready to go to England and then we've the journeymen in the middle which I was one of them that will probably play for 10 years in the league and that's how it is yeah. and it's a boom and bust situation you'll get a benefactor will come into a club throw money at it win a league or two the novelty wears off they're gone Yeah, and you're going to I could be here all day but I don't want to yeah. fairy tale situation is there any hope of this happening that like we Ireland is a is a is a is a first world country. Yep. It's a population of over five million people. Dublin has a population of one point seven million people. It's a it's a major European metropolis or a medium sized European metropolis. Wouldn't it be great to see a a let's say call it a Dublin city? Ah, playing in the English league, not in the Irish league. No, playing Aim somewhere. Had a great playing idea. somewhere. Would you play them in the English league? I would. I would. I would base an English Premier League team in Dublin. Dublin City. Yeah, you could call it Dublin City, but it's an Irish team. It's a and well, like there's a lot of ways you have to get into the to the to the Premier League. Mm. So you can't just say we're a franchise now or joining the Premier League. You'd have to walk your way up through the leagues. How they did how they would do that? But, but we would. Be, to, would you like to see that? I'd love it. Yeah, we aiming don't we tried to do it years ago. Mm with Sam Haman who I knew mm. and it was a brilliant idea and I'm raging that Amy Dovey couldn't achieve that mm. because it would have been brilliant for tourism mm. it would have been brilliant for uh, football supporters who as you say support mm. Liverpool mm. would have been playing here mm. it would have been and I still think it would be a possibility yeah. it would be great yeah, absolutely yeah. great uh, another caller on the line get your headphones on it's Eamon Dunphy say hello to him oh the bell Eamon how are you Eamon Yes, uh, hi Roddy, uh, it's great to hear your podcast, I'm looking forward to you coming on the stand. Um, Roddy, I've read the book, it's a good book, it's not a great book Roddy, but I need to ask you, you and I have had some history, I want you to tell the listeners about the history between you and I. I know it's not, it's, it's a bit nasty, but Roddy, well, if you're ready to say sorry to me. It's 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 not Are nasty. Are you ready to it's say sorry? Na- Are you ready to say sorry? I'm not saying I'm sorry. Was, was, I'm not saying I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not saying I'm sorry, Eamon. What you, happened, You'll say I'm sorry. No, no. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Tell us what happened. Uh, I was Roddy. a kid up at Shamrock Rovers. Eamon was up there with uh, Ray Tracy, Johnny Joyles, and we had a little bit of an altercation on the trail. Remember, it was on a shale pitch in the, in the RDS, or sorry, in UCD, and Eamon said, I'll see you after training. I'll see you after training. Eamon said? He said to mm. me, I was 16, he was about 50 at that time. And I said, I'll see you after training. He said, but he never turned up. Okay. Oh, wait, so he claimed you? He he caught me out. He called he you out. He caught me out. And, and then did, he didn't turn up? He did. No, I don't know. Do you know what? I might call him out now and bring him up to the gym and sell 20 <laughs> tickets each. That'd be good crap. <laughs> but we'd have a dance-off now because the two of us are too old. Yeah. But the next time, but Roddy, you do, sorry, just saying your age, you're coming up too old. You you look really young. You have great, great head of hair on you, and it's not and it's real. I can tell by the roots. And it's not dyed. And it's not dyed. I can yeah. tell that because it's and you've, you're in great nick. What age are you? Sixty two. Ah oh, man, August. you're in good nick. Yeah. What do you do to keep in such good nick? Um, everything in excess, <laughs> right? Loads of organic red wine. Yeah, <laughs> every night. Um, walking around town. You're walking around laughing town. Laughing as much as I can. Yeah. Not getting stressed out. Yeah. And having the crack and trying, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not Mother Teresa figure. Yeah. But if I go to bed at night and I've done a little good turn, even do you know what I love? Mm. Walking around town, meeting tourists that are lost. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And bringing them, not telling them where the destination is, bringing them, and it's a small team, but 
it's brilliant. I love bits like that, you know. Yeah. But uh, other than that, no. Yeah, You're I look such... great. I know I look great. Well, I was do. in a pub. No, let me talk. Mm-hmm. Let me talk. I was in a pub, right? Mm-hmm. Slatteries of Cape Street. And I was polished up in a lovely suit. Walked up to the counter. <laughs> I had a point of glass skins for me and Carolyn. This fella was good for you on him. Big fella. Looked down his nose at me went, Roddy comes and says, yeah. He says, yeah, you look great. I says, I know I do. He says, you're always a big-headed fucker. Straight away. <laughs> straight away. That's said. Ireland. That's Dublin. And I went, I know. I was only having the crack one. He gave it to you and then he took it away. He, oh, he built me up and cut me right down in mm. seconds. Mm. And I've been down that road many a time in my life. Yeah, Many yeah, a time. Built yeah. up to the top, cut down. Fella done it to me once. Rang me up on a on a conference call from a garage in Dorset Street. Pretended he was Steve Coppel, the manager of a Premier League club. Mm. I was playing for Mansfield Town and he offered me a deal. He said he'd agreed 200 grand with the club and I was going home that weekend and I said, I'm not going home. I'm coming straight down to London to meet you. No, no, you go home. Uh, have your weekend, come straight to London, pick out a house. Carlin's running around doing somersaults in the house. <laughs> I'm picking out four coats for her. And then he says, when you're in Dublin, will you tell Paddy O'Connell thanks for your phone number? And I didn't know what was going on. Carlin grabbed the phone. Is that you, Pat? Yeah, bastard. He had me Premier League wind up with your voiceovers, right? Back on the floor. And now journeyman again with oh, seconds. Man. But I done it to Carlin with the lottery. You what? I, my, my wife, Carlin. Yes, what's this story? I bought the ticket for the for the, the Wednesday coming of the, the numbers, right, the night before. Hit the ticket, said to Carlin, I dreamt about three numbers, which I did. They were on there. Carlin come down, found the ticket. Jesus, Rod. Don't go anywhere. What? Put the teletext on. Oh, Jesus, no. Rod, they win no lot. Three and a half minutes. <laughs> so I was ready to tell her, and I went, I'll leave it for a minute. Oh, Jesus. Then it got worse. It's got all the kids up. Oh. It has it to win the lot. <laughs> Right. Then they're all out shouting on the road. Then I was getting too too bad to retrieve at this stage. So I jumped in my car and went training. I remember sitting there at a railway crossing, they, they waiting for the train to go by, and the tears rolled down my face with fear, not laughter. Fear. Jesus. How am I going to tell her? 20 minutes behind, boy, I got to my mate's house, collecting him to go train. We're in Caroline, asked where am I? How are you, Caroline? Ricky McAvoy was. How are you, Caroline? How are you, Ricky? He told me not to tell anyone. We're doing in three and a half minutes. Ah, that's great. I'm not getting involved in that one, Roddy says. There's a party in the house, and there was. Everyone was in. Our sisters. Oh, sisters shit. Five sisters, three brothers. They arrived within a half an hour. No. Full-blown party, and I couldn't retrieve it. And I got to the, I got to the train and oh, come Roddy. back. And then Stephen, being Stephen, always cautious, showed me that ticket. Caroline, that's next Wednesday's ticket. Oh, Jesus, Roddy. Well, we we'd friends that left within minutes, Right. And I didn't win. <laughs> no, Mario, and this is true, and mm. I mean this. Mm. I'm glad I didn't win it. I'd have been a million in debt because Carolyn was buying everyone a house, pay for your wedding, <laughs> pay for your honeymoon. <laughs> we sat down three days later when Carolyn came round to my practical joke and took me back into the big bed. <laughs> we had a laugh. But yeah, but there you go. That's life. Come here. Now I'm done. Now I'm done. Money. And am I right in saying you have a. Uh, your attitude towards money is what healthy, unhealthy. Um, well, it depends on what bank manager you're dealing with. <laughs> I had a great bank manager during the during the the boom. Mm. Yeah. Now, Mario, look, money for me, I've no value on it. Honestly, no value on it. I it comes and I give it away. I don't handle money. Right, Carolyn handles all the accounts, and I would know what we have or what we don't have, but. I, I love sharing. Really, really? Yeah, oh, really. Hmm. Oh, really. In actual fact, I done a, uh, I, I was stopped in Henry Street there by 
Um, Would you even know what you earned last year? I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> the account would tell me that. I wouldn't have a clue what he earned last week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be hard to add up because yeah. I'm not getting I paid for all these shows. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's part of the reason you look so healthy. Well, you know what? I'm all right. As people say, how are you now? I say I'm very comfortable. Mm. I have two pillows on my bed. <laughs> that's a joke, by the way. Um, no, I've, 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 I've been a millionaire. Cash ah. rich. I have. Yeah. yeah, I have. And I've been absolutely skint. Mm. And I've been up and down. And I remember sitting out. When were you absolutely skint? Um, yesterday. <laughs> two o'clock. No, I'm only joking. No, I've been absolutely skint um, after the, the, the boom and then the crash. And you see, without getting too dour, yes. I was blocked but Jesus, from working. But don't believe me, you're not getting dour. I was blocked from working. Right? Very vindictive people put me out of work mm. and I couldn't get a day's work. I was let go by the media companies, I won't name them, mm. where I was getting some work. Mm. And I was torn in corners and I was, there was nothing coming in. Mm. Right, And then I got back out with my tools, plastering, uh, digging roads, putting down tarmac, sold on the markets. And I always made a few good Like When I say we were broke, kids never went without. Mm. So, um, let me say, if I died tomorrow, the kids would be well looked after. Mm. Right, If you asked me to put my hand on 100 grand tomorrow, I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm. But, you know, I wouldn't be broke. Mm. Let's put it that way. But there was times when I had 50 grand in the attic. But 50 grand in the attic and they used to call it the hole in the wall. Why did you put 50 grand in the attic? Well, it was cash. Like rainy day money? I just came across fifty grand cash and I threw up the attic. I said, "We've used that. We've used that." And I remember I used to lie in bed, and it was beside the chimney stack, had a head in the corner beside the chimney. So I used to lie in the bed, look at the ceiling, go, "Ah, I feel great." And the kids would say, "Da, new pair of runners." Well, you have to go to the attic yourself. And we didn't have a, a ladder, right? It was, it was your own ladder, and don't put your bleeding foot through the ceiling, right? Because that happened once. Someone scrambled up to get that money. My daughter came in one day, Sinead. She says, Da, uh-huh. about two o'clock in the morning, Da, all my mates are going to Liverpool in the morning, eight o'clock. If you have any money, yeah. grew up in the attic. Uh-huh. She went up, put her foot through the attic, put her foot, put her my plaster, I fixed that. So that, they were the good times. Mm. And we were everywhere. Like the kids are. What's in the attic at the moment? I don't know. I have to ask Caroline. I'm not allowed up. <laughs> but um, no, there's nothing there now. But um, we've had the best of holidays. Mm. I've had Rolex watches. I've had S-Class Mercs. I've had £2,000 suits. I've had holidays. I've dined with the best. I've dined in the best restaurants. And I've been eating rolls on walls with a little cup of coffee that only cost a euro to tell everyone out there um, a couple of years ago. And I enjoyed my meals in the Trocadora <laughs> as much as I enjoyed my role on the wall facing the Olympia looking at the smallest street in Dublin Palace Street yeah. and thinking I'll be in that restaurant soon yeah. the French one and Albert Goubet pulled me one day every Wednesday when he was doing Albert the, who? Goubet who's that? he was the first man to have the push round trolley supermarkets in Ireland three guys Okay, right then he built the franchise Total Fitness Okay, that was his franchise a billionaire who lived in the Isle of Man mm-hmm. and used to come to Dublin and took a shine to me, mm. right? And every Wednesday I'd meet him and we, we'd have uh, tea and scones. And I'd go up and buy the tea and scones on the, on the counter in his gym. And when it was his turn, he'd take out two tea bags, get a pot of hot water and bring scones with him from the Isle of Man. That his wife done. But um, yeah. Albert Gilby, anyway, he sat me down and he said, Roger, you have great ideas. If I gave you a million for one year, what would you do with that? Mm. I said, ah, but I spend that in six months. He said, get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> now we got the million. <laughs> and another day, I dinner with um, 
Um, oh, Fitzpatrick. Yeah, the hotelier. No. Which one? Shawnee. Shawnee Fitzpatrick. I did oh, with Shawnee. Celtic Tiger Shawnee. Celtic Tiger Shawnee. I mean, the great chat. And he said to me one day. Anglo-Irish. Yeah, he said to me one day, Jordan the Boom, and he was great company, by the way. Mm. And he said to me, Rod, is there anything I could do for you? And for 10 seconds, a ding came in. I was going to say, 10 million for a hotel. Will you loan it to me? <laughs> and Carolyn says, why didn't you ask him? Yeah. I said, because he asked for the bank. I'm trying to get to the bottom of this, Rod. So let me ask you, because it's, it's, it's your positivity. It's your positive attitude towards life. So I'm, presu- I'm presuming now, that I'm getting a picture here. Chumbawamba, I get knocked down and I get up again. This is you. Um, you do you bear grudges? No. No, I knew you were going to say Never. no. No, Never. you move on. I move on as Have, quick- Are you friends with people who have fucked you over? Um, no, not friends. Mm. No, I don't do have any friends. Them? Do I forgive them? I will, but I never forget them. Mm. I don't. I've, I've, you can count my friends in that hand, mm. right? One of them's up in the matter hospital and gone straight to see him. My old friend Stevie Spicer, mm. my brother Mikey, and then obviously my brothers and family. Vinnie Jones, very, very good personal friend. You, Vinnie Jones? Vinnie's my partner. Sorry, it was only a fluke that I mentioned him earlier, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's actually a very good friend of yours. Very yours. good friend yeah. of mine. And Sean Edwards, uh, my, I done Godfather for Sean there last year. The rugby Yeah, coach. Sean Edwards, yeah. he's out in France coaching. Yeah. They will be my friends and others. Yeah. Right? But um, people that fall out with me, fall out with me, I don't fall out with many people. Yeah. Right, but the one am, I, am I right in saying you kind of don't believe in it? You don't believe in just falling out with people? I know, for what? Look, mm. life is short. That's what I mean. And none yeah. of us are perfect. Yeah. You know, Do you have a temper? Um, no, only if you cross me wife and me kids. Mm. Mm. I'll die for them. Mm. You know, I wouldn't have a temper, no. Mm. I'd be a, I'd be, I, 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 I've been in pubs and fellas would come up looking for trouble. And I'd say, come here. There's my number. There's my address. When you wake up and the drink wears off, if you still want to have a crack at me, my brother has a gym, the Celtic Warrior gym, up in Cardiff, I'll be there, torn up. And you know, it, it diffuses and dis- disarms most people. Yeah. Because at the you end of the day, You're promoting your own fights at this stage. <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> in your boxing gym. <laughs> yeah. Well, my brother Pascal is the leading light in professional boxing in Ireland yeah. now. And he's a gym up there. And many people have come in and it's, it's a manly way to do it, I believe. They've settled disputes. No one gets hurt because we don't allow that. Mm-hmm. And look, it is what it is. It's yeah. better than people, you know, taking out weapons or in yeah, the, this day and age taking out guns, which have happened, you know. Um, another caller on the line. Guess who it is. Have a guess. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. There's that many people in the waiting room out there. I don't I'm know who you have next. It's, uh, well, it's, this, is a call from, uh, this is a call from Italy. So, uh, can you imagine who it is? Italy. It's called from Italy. Well, I, I, have, I have something in common with, uh, with Berlusconi. With who? Berlusconi. Berlusconi. Yeah, well, I don't know how to pronounce that. Bunga, bunga, bunga parties. Bunga, bunga. No, it wasn't that them. No, <laughs> unfortunately, I never got invited to one of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, we two of us had the same photographer for our books for Penguin. Brilliant. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And no wonder you look yeah. so young and healthy. There you go. Yeah, look yeah. at the front of the people. Looks look a, about he, 90. He looks about 38 in all his I know, so would you if you're a bunga, bunga every <laughs> It's Jose Mourinho on the line. Ah, Jose. I'd love to meet Jose. Yeah, well, you can now. Say hello to him. How are you, Jose? Miel, pal. How are you, Kate? Roddy Collins, it's fantastic to talk to you. It's fantastic to hear your voice on the podcast. This is one of my favourite podcasts. And you are one of my favourite managers. But I loved your work with Bose. Bose? Carlisle. And Carlisle. Yeah. And the fantastic Carlisle. The up, the down, the up, the down. Fantastic what you did with Carlisle. That's it. I want to know, Roddy, who is your favourite manager ever in the world? 
besides me. Josie, can I say you or exclude you? My favourite man in the whole world, mm. and he looks like you. He he actually acts like you, and he was as good as you, but he never managed in England. Torlock O'Connor from Athlone. Really? Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure you know him, Jose. Google him. He, no, sold, he, he bought it. me and sold me three times and built a beautiful extension. St. Mills Park. St. Mills. St. Mills Park. I love That's Athlone. Me. I love everything about Athlone. Is it with me, the Roscommon? Well, on the border. It's on, on the, the border. border. We say Mills. Very need. good. Very good. Yeah. It's like Lazio and Roma. What's me? Lazio. Yeah. And Roma. Yeah. They're both fighting to be the main club oh. in, in, in Rome. Oh, I didn't know that. No, one. it's like at loan. At loan, yeah. It's similar, similar. Yeah. Well, at loan have no one to fight because they're on their own down there. That's right. They need somebody. <laughs> they need somebody. You Perhaps you can organise one in the boxing situation. We could do that. Have an open air boxing show in Melbourne. Wonderful, fantastic to meet you, Roddy. Continued success. Ah, uh, Jose, I love you. You're that's the best. Brilliant. My wife loves you. Oh man, he's that's but the most, shoes are crap. I think that's one of the way. most famous. That's one of the most famous people that's ever rung he's into this. Brilliant. Yeah, he's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, are you a fan of his? I love him. Mm-hmm. I love him. Do you not think he's kind of? turned into a bit of a bit dour in the last few years well he did you know he, well look when he come on he come on with a bang mm. and then yeah. he, he, I think people have you know cottoned on to his style of management mm. and it's not it's not as sexy as the new manager to have no. now like Klopp and, no. and and Guardiello and people like him do you know what I did um, do you know what I did actually myself a few weeks ago I got a call from a guy in RTE uh, who was making a documentary yeah. And I said, he said, hi, Marriott, this is Gordon here. We're making a documentary. I went, one what? And he said, did you not know it's 20 years since Saipan? And I went, all right, 2022, 2002. It's 20 years since Saipan. So I took part in this documentary about Saipan. It's going to be on in November. And we'll see it on RTE. But now that it's 20 years since Saipan, I was wondering, did you have views on uh, on that? on that? Absolutely. Uh, what were your views? Uh, uh, Mick, Roy and... Oh, no, and, Roy Kane. All Roy the way. Kane. I'm not anti-Mick. I like no. Mick. He's a nice man. So you supported the player? One million percent. Why did you? Because I'll tell you why. My brother went to Las Vegas to prepare for a fight. It was slipshod. Steve. Yeah. It wasn't right. And he took the initiative and returned home. Could have lost the title fight because of it. Because he said, I'm not going there to make up the numbers. I want to prepare to win and be a world champion. When Roy Kane went away, it was slipshod. It was a joke. It was not conducive to the way he was professional. right? And people could say, oh, it was a bit of R&R and a few beers. Mm. But that's a lot of crap. You're going to compete the best you can. When you walk away from a World Cup, you want to go and say... We tried everything, no stone unturned to achieve what we achieved. And that's what Roy done. And I went to the FBI office and beeped me horn outside like a big idiot. I did, yeah, me and Caroline. I sat, I sat in the you were You were man on the street. I was a man on the street. And I backed him to the hilt and I split the house. I split the house. There was people in the house. Ah, no, he should have dug in them. This, no, 100% stick with him to this mm. day for that. Yeah. Right. Right. So you haven't changed your opinion on that? No. No. no not no. on that one. Yeah. I was disappointed he went to work for the FBI under the regime that was there. That disappointed me, but that's another day's. Yeah. Another day's work, Mario. How does How does Ireland? And have you have you met Rockin a few times? And, and never. You've never met him. Tried to. Yeah. He, um, I met him in the Burlington one night. I think it was Packy Bonner's testimonial dinner. Stephen was the world champ, and Roy was there. And I tried to I tried to converse him, but he was in his own little planet he didn't want to talk to some old gobshite like me you know so and then um, when I was manager of water he was involved with the Irish team and Seamus McDonough who I was at in Mansfield Town walked by the world with Seamus and Roy gave me a little 
tip on the chest. And I don't know whether it was getting out of my fucking way or Dave Yarrod, the best manager I've, I've ever come across. But uh, it's still a mystery till this day. But you know what I want of me? Mm. Really? Mm. And if you can help me in this what? one. I want to hug Tom Jones. Tom Jones? Yeah, I want to hug him. But like, what's new, Pussycat? Yeah, I love him. See, my father idolised Roberto Duran, Muhammad Ali and Tom Jones. I hugged Roberto Duran in the MGM in yeah. Vegas and the security dragged me off. Yeah. I said, I love you, Roberto. Couldn't speak English. No too. mass. No mass. Couldn't speak English. Too, no too. mass. Roddy Gollum. No, no mass. <laughs> no mass. Roddy Gollum. <laughs> so and then I met Ali twice. Muhammad Ali and I hugged, hugged yeah. Muhammad Ali in New York. Tom Jones. I'm looking at his dates in Ireland. I know a lot of security staff around uh, town from getting dumped out of nightclubs. Right, they always knew the back of me. <laughs> and I just want to hug him. I really do. That's and that's yeah. really where I, 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 is I he as good as Sticky Rock. Well, I know Dickie. Dickie's from Cabra like myself. Yeah. Yeah. Dickie was the Cabra man's, Dublin man's, Ireland's man's, uh, Tom Jones. Yeah. Right? He still is. He still is. Yeah. He's brilliant. The he's, candy store in the well, corner got belted well, out every He's well, well over 80 and he's still powering it out. He is. He is. And I, he, he won't like me because in the book, his father, Mr. Rock, was walking by us with all the bells. He's on the corner. I was one of them. And he was walking by with his little dog. And I said, how are you, Mr. Rock, trying to get a laugh on, on, on the on the expense of the man? Uh, what kind of a breed of a dog is that? He put his hand on his shawl, he said, a better breed than you, son. And he wasn't wrong that day. <laughs> you know, he wasn't wrong that day. But look, Dickie was... Dickie's a legend in Cabri. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he was from Animo. He, he built a house. Yeah. I'm from Animo. Yeah. We were in the Corpo house. Does he still have his communion money? That's the legend. That's what they say. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to add to it, but I did do a, a building job a couple of hours down from him over in the south side. And he used to come down and take the wood out to skip for his fire. <laughs> and, I, and you know what? Do you know what? We were sure to just chopping up from we loved him that much. Yeah. But look, Dickie's great. Dickie's great. But Tom, if anyone could get me a hug off Tom, yeah. just a quick one, or even a handshake, yeah. I'd die a happy man. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. How does Ireland produce a person like John Delaney? Great. Ego. Um... How can I say charisma? Yeah. We had it all. Yeah. Oh, we had it all. Yeah. Very, very good PR man. Were you imper- were you personally impressed by John Delaney? Never. No, no, personally impressed by him. You said he had charisma. No, yeah, but I didn't buy into it. But in his company? I, I never was in his company long mm. enough to enjoy it. Because I'd used, i be in his company off. a couple of times, right? Yeah. And he just... <laughs> Mario, Mario, oh, come on, have a pint. Have a look around the place. And you'd feel like, jeepers, I'm really been taken care of here. You know? Yeah. You know. So I used to feel kind of... He used to make me feel good. Right, I'm in the mansion house. But you used to buy it? Nah, spoofer. I'm in the mansion house. RTA Christmas deal. And he's there and he's locked. And I'm with Caroline drinking 7-Up and uh, Pat Hickey, who I know well, caught me over. I was just Pat, I'm not going over. He came over and said, John wants to meet some people. I was attempting to bring them over. So John Bartles are over with these people and he puts his hand on my shoulder and I knew I was being blocked by certain people not getting a day's work. And he said, this man is going to be the manager of Ireland one day. And I said, John, fuck off. You're making a show yourself. You're making a show of me. He says, and when he walked away, I said to Karen, that's what's running Irish football. Do you expect he will ever re-emerge in Irish life? No, hmm. never. He's done too much damage to too many people. Hmm. Like people talk about a football uh, perspective. 
that that's been badly damaged. But from a financial uh, perspective, from people losing their jobs, people, you know, that were that were strung along. Nah, he can never quite. But you know what? He probably has the neck to front it. But he'll have no respect. He'll have no respect. And I hope I don't meet him in a lift on my own, going to the 10th floor, because I think he'll only make floor three. <coughs> I'll be getting off then. <laughs> there's a big debate at the moment, if you listen to programmes like Off the Ball um, and you're a sports fan like I am, there's a big ongoing debate in Irish football about the merits or not of Stephen Kenny's project. The idea that Stephen Kenny, of course, is a progressive uh, football player and get the ball down on the ground manager. Um, whereas the managers previously we had now I have to tell my listeners you your, your eyes you rolled your eyes in the air there now so I why did. why did you roll your eyes in the air because the narrative I'm listening to is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard what are you life. talking about don't go on take me Foot, t- tell me football's about results okay right now I, I've been a manager I've been sacked many times mm. you can buy a bit of time with all that uh, we're, we're developing we're playing football I mean I think every player that's in the Irish squad play the same football every single day of their life at their clubs and train. So, I mean, someone didn't just decide to, to change the wheel. Now, you can say, yeah, but the, how can I say, but the, the, the view of Irish football was a long ball game and we suddenly have somebody now who's going to change that. Well, it's taken a long change. We haven't qualified for three. We've missed out three qualifiers. We're not winning games, mm. right? We're no better off now uh, in results than we were in day one, right? We have developed, we, we have a good squad coming together. We really have Is that, that to his credit? Well, it is to the FUA's credit for sticking with Stephen. I give them credit for that. Pardon me. And I was the one at the start said, give the man a six-year deal. And barely did the bay. And right? what do you think now? Well, you see, how can I say, Murray? Football is all that we said. But when a game starts, football management starts from the dugout. Perception, right? Be able to perceive what the opposition are going to do. Tactically, be aware. Quick. The higher the levels you go, Mario, the quicker you must think. If you see a problem and you don't correct it, you're going to lose quick. And that's where it's fallen down for me. I've seen games, notably the Serbia game when we were a goal up. They changed formation the second half. We never corrected it. They beat us 3-1. They threw us a goal at the end. It looked a bit more respectable. We went to Scotland recently. We're a goal up at half time. They're built off the pitch. Way under par. We played well. Could we play as well? Not if they upped the game. They upped the game. What was the conversation addressed them? I would love to know. What, what was said to the Irish players? What we've just witnessed, we're a goal up, but this way going to face second half. They come out and scored in five minutes. So that's where my worry yep. is. Okay. Substitutions. Look, I'll go into it too deep. No, you don't have to know. But I, I, I forensically analyse every game. I have me play back on the telly, right? I watch it and I play it, and I go, at that particular time, we should have changed tack there. We should have changed personnel there. That's not happening quick enough for me. And that's the only downfall. Tactically, I think that's where the, the whole dugout was lacking. Not just the main man. We've drawn there. Greece, uh, the Netherlands and France in our European group. How do you think we'll fare? Well, you've a free hit of France and the Netherlands. You've a free hit there because if we're competitive, we give them a game. People say it's progress. But we slip up against the Greece and uh, Gibraltar. 
that's where we need to stamp our authority. Mm. That's when we'll find out if it's real progress. Greece and Gibraltar. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll find out tactically in the bigger games where we're at. Mm. Right? Now, we're talking about football. Liverpool beat Manchester City last weekend. Right? If you add up, there's probably 700 passes in the whole game. The goal was a kick out. That's right. To Mo. Kick out. Mo did the business. No, it's not the most beautiful goal in the world. It's scored a goal. Mm. Jack Charlton was way above you. Ahead of his time. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Look, we have players that can play now the way we want to play when Jack had him. Why? Get it up there and score goals. Yeah. You know, but look, everyone's different. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, but the team, I've done all these coaching courses, Mary, and it's it's actually depressing because you go on the course and it's like a Bible. Hmm. And if you step outside of the narrative that right. they should be played, oh, he's he's a dinosaur. Right. He's old fashioned. I get another job, I'm going to change football. I've, I've an idea. Do you? Oh, I have a great yeah. idea. And it'll work. What's the idea? I'll tell you. I know what it is. Well, well, tell me. Well, it's going to go back. Not to. It's going to go back, and you're going to go back, and you're going to show them that it isn't dinosaur. Yeah, but there's there's two areas on the pitch. Well, obviously, getting it in behind them, down the channels, get them turned. Yeah, and the other thing you have to have a hundred pass to do that, right? There's areas on the pitch, and I've studied it in many games. It's happened probably five times in the whole Premier League uh, this season, mm. and I've identified the five of them, and I'm going to. It's it's. it's we played out in Germany. Can you get another job? Do you want another job? Absolutely. Good. Well, look, I'll put I you love this, to hear that. Put this right. Oh, no, I'm ready to go. Good. I, Mario, I never wanted to be out of work. Yeah. I was blocked yeah. from working. Yeah. I had to send solicitors letters to people who are publicly stating, yeah. I'll keep that. I won't mention the word. I don't like the word. Out of work. I kept my work in England. Kept my work in England. I had to send solicitors letters because powerful people can kill you in this country as regards work. And I was killed for 12, 15 years. Yeah, okay. Roddy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I really hope to see you in management again soon. Um, the book is called The Rod Father, uh, co-written with Paul Howard, who's a good friend and a great person and a good friend of all of us who work who work in not only the comedy business, but also who like football as well. He's and brilliant. a tremendous sports writer um, as well in, yeah. in, his, in his past life. Yeah. Uh, and our best wishes to Paul as well and to you uh, for The Rod Father. There's a final caller on the line. Would you like to hear who it is? It's, uh, it's Tom Jones. Say hello. Hey, Tom. All right, boyo. Ah, oh, Tom. Boyo, Ruddy. Me dad loved you. And me dad's best pal, <laughs> Charlie Proisman, used to sing your songs on a Saturday night in the house. And me nanny would bang downstairs and say, turn the radio off. She thought it was your record. And that's a true story. Great to hear your voice, buddy. Let's do What's New Pussycat together. Hey, oh, come Tom. on. Ready? Brilliant Tom. I just want to give you a hug. Roberto Duran Muhammad Ali, third most famous man of my life. Well not the third, one of them. Love to give you a hug. Thanks, Tom. Oh man, that's fantastic. Tom Jones on on my podcast. He knows me. Huh? He knows me. You fucking listening to it. Unreal. Put it there. Lovely Roddy. Thanks, Mario. Thank you so much. My thanks to Roddy Collins for his engaging personality and his fantastic story and more than anything, his energy. He has got incredible energy and I wish him well and I hope to see him back in football or whatever he does soon. Thanks to everybody who emailed. If you want to keep in touch on email, it's mariorosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all and get back to most of them. See you same time, same place next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.